Welcome back to Via the Source, where you can get news about the entire NFL and, of course, the Miami Dolphins. Fins up. Here's Steven, your host. What's up, guys? Today's date is September 23rd. I'm Steven Masso. As always, you are listening to Via the Source. Now, in today's episode, we're going to be going over quick preview of the game between the Miami Dolphins and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, the game will be in Jacksonville. The Jaguars are 1-1. One and one. Many people expected the Jaguars to be tanking this season as a potential candidate for Trevor Lawrence, yet they have been surprising a ton of people across the league. Uh, they got a good win against the Colts in week one, and they were in a close matchup last week against the Titans, which they lost. Now, the Dolphins, on the other hand, are 0-2, very lackluster performance in week one. Week two, the offensive side of the ball came alive. Uh, Fitzpatrick over 300 yards passing, Mike Isicki 130 yards, a career day for him, and then Miles Gaskin continues to impress people. But the issue with the Dolphins continues to be the defensive side of the ball. So we're going to take a look first at the Jacksonville Jaguars. And when we look at the offensive side of the ball for the Jaguars, they come in here towards the second half of teams in terms of pass defense. But then when it comes to running the ball, they are in the top half. They are 12th when it comes to total rushing yards. And that shows a drastic improvement. That does not look like a team that is tanking, especially when you consider they went up against two pretty solid defenses in the Indianapolis Colts. And then on the other hand, with the Tennessee Titans. So we'll begin with the quarterback here, and that's Gardner Minshew. And if you remember in week one, it was a big headline, his uh, productiveness, his efficiency. He only had one incompletion in that game, 19 for 20. It was a great game for him. If you look at the next gen stats, so it kind of shows you why a little bit. He only had one pass, just one pass in that entire game that was over 15 yards through the air. So he was really taking what the defense gave him and that was working out for him. In week two though, it was a little bit of a different story. He had 11 passes in that game that traveled more than 15 yards so he was airing it out a little bit more so as it stands with Gardner Minshew right now the guy has 512 yards passing he has a completion percentage of 75.4 he has six touchdowns and he has two interceptions and I will say uh, the interceptions, one of them in this last game came when he threw it at his receiver. The receiver tipped it up in the air and it led to an interception. I don't think that one fell on him. And then the last interception came, uh, Jadavian Clowney was very clearly offsides on the play. There was pressure. He made a desperation throw. It was towards the tail end of the game. So with the first interception, it's hard to put the blame on him. With the second one, you can make a better case for it. But with Gardner Minshew, you know, you get the whole entertaining persona. You get this super super flashy style of play that we saw last season when he was, uh, you know, moving around the pocket and chucking it downfield. The Gardner Minshew of 2020, you know, given that it is a small sample size, it does look pretty different though. He looks more reserved. He is staying in the pocket a lot. Even when there's pressure barreling down on him, if you look at this last game, there was a pass to Chris Thompson on the touchdown. Uh, he threw it beautifully over a defender's head while Jadavian Clowney was barreling down towards him. He remained in the pocket. And then there was another throw to DJ Chark where LaVisca Chenault came in motion around him. He did a little pump fake to get the defender to hesitate and lobbed it right into the corner to DJ Chark. Both of those plays to me show a very good starting quarterback in the NFL. It doesn't show some quirky guy that works on a week-to-week -week basis. Those are things that veterans do. When you're talking about looking off a defender, when you're talking about having an elite defender,
defender running right at you and you can still throw a dime. Those are pretty good signs of having an actual starting quarterback and not just some fill-in for Trevor Lawrence. So those are the positives when it comes to Gardner Minshew. Uh, if you look at the negatives, though, when I talked about him staying in the pocket, he is not that versatile player that we saw last week with Josh Allen. He is definitely not what we saw in Cam Newton in week one. Uh, he stays in the pocket a lot more than he did last year, and at least in this season, it has almost been to a fault. All the sacks, or most of them rather, seems like they have came because he doesn't want to throw the ball away or he doesn't want to scramble. And last year, we saw a Gardner Minshew who was bouncing around, dodging defenders. The Gardner Minshew of this season seems like he wants to stay in the pocket and take what is given to him, even if that means not taking these huge passes. So whether that is a good thing or a bad thing is left to be seen. Uh, it looks like he is not going to be the same type of quarterback as Josh Allen last week who was, you know, chucking bombs while on the run. It doesn't seem like he's going to be doing that, but when it comes to staying in the pocket, delivering uh, quick passes and forcing the defense to make tackles, uh, I think that is what he's going to be relying on in this game. Now, when it comes to the running game for the Jacksonville Jaguars, this is where the team has really shined. Leonard Fournette for years was the focal point of the offense. It was very obvious, but he left. He's with Tampa Bay now. Now you have James Robinson, the rookie. A ton of people in Jacksonville are very big on this guy, and you can see why. This season, he has 164 yards. He's eighth in the NFL in total rushing yards, and he has 5.1 yards per carry. The guy looks great. He looks like a very powerful runner, and frankly, I'm a little bit worried about the Dolphins' ability to get this guy on the ground, and I know I made a prediction last week that Zach Moss would have a big day, and I'm missed on that, but I think that was a product of him not getting the volume and the Bills generally having this game plan to throw the ball. Whereas here with the Jaguars, they're going to be a team that runs the ball. There is no doubt about it. You know, you're going to get a good share of James Robinson in this game and the Dolphins need to be prepared. So when it comes to the offensive line, though, for the Jacksonville Jaguars, this was a team that pro football focus had ranked as 22nd last year. They were not good. They were below average. But this year, these guys are rising to the occasion. They are the same players. They have the same unit out there, but they are just playing a lot better. They're led by Brandon. Brandon Linder, who is the obvious best guy on this offensive line, but then they also have Andrew Norwell, who the Jaguars made in 2017 the highest paid interior offensive lineman. Then at left tackle, they have Cam Robinson, and at right tackle, they have Jawan Taylor, who both of these guys were doing a good job last week against Jadavian Clowney, and if you look at what Minshew is able to do, the guy has a ton of time. You could understand why he is a pocket passer now, because he has so much time in the pocket, and when he gets sacked, a lot of the times, it's because he's not throwing the ball away and it's been like three or four seconds and he hasn't done anything with it. So despite all the negative things you're going to hear thrown around about this Jacksonville offensive line, you know, with the success of uh, the running backs here, James Robinson, and with the success of Gardner Minshew and his completion percentage and overall being more efficient, it's hard for me to say that the offensive line is somehow disappointing. They are at least doing enough for both of those guys to be prospering. I think the offensive line here is really impressive pressing for the standards that were, uh, you know, being held to them at the beginning of the season. Now, if we look at the receivers here, uh, DJ Chark is the number one receiver here for Jacksonville, and he is number one in the entire NFL when it comes to his catch percentage. Again, it's only week two, tiny sample size, but nonetheless, he has had seven targets and he has caught all seven of those for 109 yards and a touchdown. He had this big 45-yard reception last week, but aside from that, it's been a lot of these tiny little throws. And then when you look at Keelan Cole, 
Very high catch percentage as well, 12 targets, and he has caught 11 of those. But a ton of Keelan Cole's catches have also come on these drag routes across the field, these tiny underneath routes. And then LaVisca Chenault, who a ton of people in Jacksonville are excited about. Very dynamic threat here. He has been targeted eight times, caught six of those for 72 yards and a touchdown, which he got in week one. But on top of that, LaVisca Chenault is very versatile. He's been used as a running back. He's getting his rushing yards too, but it's not on these little sweeps. They actually have him out there at times as a running back. He has seven attempts for 47 yards, 6.7 yards per carry. The guy is dynamic and Miami has has to be prepared for LaVisca Chenault to have a role in this game. Now, as for some of the other receivers that Jacksonville has, they have Chris Conley, who had a lot of time over there in Kansas City. He has 54 yards on the year. They also have Tyler Eifert, who had a nice catch for a touchdown last week. He has 44 yards uh, this season. And they also have Chris Thompson, who was one of the more dynamic receiving running backs in the entire NFL before an Achilles injury. But it looks like he is having a little solid uh, resurgence this year. He is clearly going to have an opportunity and he had a touchdown last week uh, against the Titans. Now, if we look at the defensive side of the ball, though, this is where Jacksonville has been really struggling. They still have a good amount of talent on paper. If you look at some of the guys, they're all very young, though. They have Josh Allen, who was great last year. They also have Caleb on Chason, the rookie uh, from LSU, and he's going to be, you know, I think a great player as time goes on. But CJ Henderson, the rookie this year so far, he is having a great start. He got rookie of the week in week one. He had four pass breakups. Nobody else in the league had more than two so and even against the Titans he held Corey Davis to 39 yards AJ Brown was out a lot of people are going to point to the touchdown and say that was on him I don't think he got crazy separation it was still a pretty uh, you know contested catch but I think he's doing a good job it is the rest of the secondary for Jacksonville that is a huge liability as a matter of fact they are ranked 30th when it comes to yards allowed against the pass when it comes to stopping the run they are ranked 10th so I do think the Dolphins, you know, CJ Henderson, I've been giving him props, but at the end of the day, I don't think he is somebody that's going to completely blanket somebody, at least not now as a rookie. Uh, you know, we've already gone up against Stephon Gilmore. We've gone up against Tredavious White and Devontae Parker. Even though he hasn't had a breakout game, he has still gotten his yards and he has still made an impact while he was on the field. I don't think that's going to change because of a rookie. And with the rest of the secondary for Jacksonville, I think Fitzpatrick is primed to have one of these games games where he can just light it up and have over 300 yards again this week. I think it could really trend that way very easily and it could also end up being a big game uh, for Miles Gaskin coming out of the backfield. The Jaguars really struggle with Marlon Mack and Naheem Hines in week one so to me Matt Breida, Miles Gaskin could have big days here. Preston Williams, Devontae Parker. I mean just across the board I think this could be a huge day passing wise for the Miami Dolphins. Now to go back to the Dolphins defense really quick and kind of uh, give my thoughts you know I think a lot of people are already in panic mode when it comes to the defense and it's very understandable you know if they put up another bad performance here then you know you, you have the right definitely to be in full panic mode because as I mentioned in the last episode this is the side of the ball the Dolphins invested very heavily in you know you consider all the guys they brought in and then you consider that Brian Flores is a defensive minded coach you are not expecting the defense to be this much of a liability and to definitely not be at the very bottom of the league which they are currently at 
and I'm hoping with the secondary, Byron Jones may be out again. I don't think any of these receivers for the Jaguars are, you know, in that top tier, but DJ Chark is somebody that I think could potentially have a good day on Xavier Howard. What I saw from Howard last week is he looked pretty slow. I was wondering if he was either out of shape or, you know, he wasn't up to game speed, but when him when he was lined up against John Brown, that didn't look good. You know, even though I wanted him to be against Stephon Diggs, I'm not sure if the outcome would have been drastically better if he was on Diggs instead of Igbenogany, just because uh, Xavier Howard, to me, did look pretty slow and lethargic out there on the field. So I am pretty worried because the Jaguars are a team that are going to feast on these crossing routes, on these underneath routes. They're going to utilize this speed, the speed they have with Keelan Cole, the speed they have with LaVisca Chenault, and then DJ Chark's ability over the top. That's all going to be utilized if the Dolphins are again getting burned very early on in the route like Noah Igbenogany was last week then this is going to be a game where they can throw these crossing routes pick up a ton of yards after the catch so they have to get that addressed. I don't expect the Jaguars to be as trigger happy, uh, you know, with throwing the ball as the Bills were with Josh Allen last week. I do think they're going to try to get the run going a lot more than we've seen uh, in the past two games in terms of with their running backs, you know, not with their quarterbacks like Cam Newton in week one. I do think they're going to try to get the running game going with James Robinson. So to me, that is going to be the first key to the victory. And we'll get into those uh, right after my expectations. So my first expectation here is that this is a little bit of a shootout. I'm expecting this to be an offensive game for both of these teams just based on how we have seen the defenses. I do think this could be a game where Ryan Fitzpatrick puts up over 300 yards. I do expect this to be another game where Miles Gaskin kind of solidifies his lead role. And then on the opposite side, I expect this to be a game where, uh, you know, Gardner Minshew is letting it rip a little bit and he's having some success with either Keelan Cole or, uh, you know, DJ Chark, LaVisca Chenault or Colin Johnson. And I, one of those guys, Chris Conley, they actually have a pretty underrated group of weapons out there. My next expectation is going to be that I think James Robinson uh, potentially has over 120 total yards from scrimmage. Both, I think he's going to be involved in all aspects of the game. Even though Chris Thompson is a good receiving back, I do think this is going to be a very big James Robinson game, and they are going to try to get him involved very early on. And to kind of segue into my keys to the victory here, I think the Dolphins' defense is going to have to step up in all facets of the game. If this is a game where James Robinson can run all over and Gardner Minshew can go 19 for 20 and only throw it 10 yards across the field at most, this is going to be a very routine game for them. But even then, if they can shut down the run, now all of a sudden we have to worry about the secondary, the secondary that we invested so heavily in in the offseason, one of the positions that I trusted the most. It turns out it may not be that. I mean, Gardner Minshew is still a very capable guy. He utilizes these pump fakes, and I could see a rookie Noah Igbenogany who likes to, as we saw in training camp, bite on those a lot. Bobby McCain this past week, it looks like he over-pursues or he bites on those kind of things, and Gardner Minshew will take advantage by either doing pump fakes, by looking his defender off. He utilizes all those things, so I think the secondary is going to have to step up, and this is an offensive line for the Jaguars. Like I said, they came into this ranked pretty 
semi poorly, but they have been doing good. But I'm still not convinced that they are for real. I think the Dolphins will have an opportunity to test them. I'm hoping they can do that because that will at least give the secondary a little bit of help. All around though, this is going to be a very telling game for the Dolphins defense. I don't think they have too many opportunities uh, left to really convince fans that they are better than they are if they drop another dud here. And then from the offensive side of the ball, the key to the victory to me is just going to be play the same way that you played last week. I think that will be enough to get a victory. I think the offense was flowing a lot better. I think they could build off of that. Uh, I mentioned even though Devontae Parker wasn't on the stat line, didn't have huge numbers, I think he took a lot of the focus off people and that helped a lot. It really opened up the game for guys like Mike Isiki to have a big day, for Isaiah Ford to have a big day. I mean, if you're spreading the ball around and getting everyone involved like that, then I think the offense will be enough to get a victory in this game. I'm just worried about the defensive side of the ball in this one. So guys, that is how I'm going to wrap it up. As always, if you want to follow me on Twitter, that is at via the source. If you'd like to follow my personal account, that is at Shady Steven. Feel free to do that. Um, if you could leave a review on the Apple podcast app, that would be a tremendous help. And I do have a YouTube channel where I've been posting these podcasts. If you could subscribe to there, that would be a tremendous help trying to hit that 1000 subscriber mark. And that would be just, that's a huge goal of mine. So if we could hit that, that would be great. But guys, that is how I'm going to wrap it up. Until next time, I'm Steven Masso. This was Via the Source.